advance and take the kingdom of God forward. Make no mistake, God has called his church to advance. He has called his people to advance as well. God hasn't called us to sit in a corner singing Kumbaya, waiting for Jesus to return. He's actually called us to advance, to take territory for him. He wants more and more of this earth in the kingdom of God. He wants more and more people to come in, to come and know him. So he has not called the church and he has not called us as Christians to just sit back. He's actually called us to advance, move forward and take territory for the kingdom of God. So with that lens, we can now see that every component of Ephesians is necessary for an advancing Christian life. That every component of Ephesians is, and every topic that it covers is necessary for us to be an advancing church and for us to be advancing Christians for the kingdom of God. So there's a number of topic, topics that he covers. A couple of years ago when I, pre I preached here uh, on this topic and talked about how he said that in the middle of it, we need to be filled by the Spirit of God if we're going to be advancing church. And that's one of the topics. But I want to talk to you today about the topic that he covers in the first half of Ephesians. And in the first half of Ephesians, he essentially talks about our identity in Christ. So what that means is if we don't know who we are, we can't have an advance in Christian life. I know a lot of Christians who know who God is, but they don't know who they are. They know that God is awesome, He is wonderful, but they think that they're nothing but a worm. And the reality is they don't live an advancing Christian life and churches that think that aren't advancing either. God, we need to understand that when we become a Christian, God gives us a new identity. And when we understand who we are in Christ, then we will position ourselves to be the advancing territory takers that God has called us to be. And so today I want to talk to you just briefly. I mean, we could spend weeks on this, but I'm only going to talk to you briefly about a few things that the Apostle says about you and about me. And we need to understand, if we understand who we are and conduct ourselves accordingly, then we are more positioned to live the advancing Christian life that God has for us. And so I want to talk to you today about a few things about you, a few things about your new born-again identity that God gives you. The first thing uh, is this. It's found in verse 1 of Ephesians 1. He says, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints. Now, many commentators believe that Ephesians is what's called a circular letter. So what that means is not only was it written to the Ephesians, but it was taken around to all the churches in the area. And it was talking, taken around to all the churches under the Apostle Paul's leadership. So watch this. It goes around from church to church and to every person in every church, the Apostle calls them a saint. So the first thing about you is that you're a saint. Now the Catholic Church has a very strict criteria for determining whether somebody is a saint. Uh, I, uh, basically that you have, need to have lived a holy life. Uh, it's, it's good that you've performed some kind of miracle uh, and that your claims are being then researched. Uh, your name is put forward to a particular committee and then, then it's moved forward again eventually. Uh, it goes to the Vatican and you become what's known as canonised. And I think in the history of Australia, uh, we have one saint and I think that's the Saint uh, Mary MacKillop. I thank God the Apostle Paul wasn't that picky. <laughs> Amen. He says to everyone, you're a saint. What, do you think you're a saint or something? Yeah, I am, because that's what God calls me. I don't have to do anything to earn that title. When I become a Christian, he automatically calls me a saint. Turn the person next to him and say, you're a saint. 
That's why we live a holy life. We don't live a holy life to become a saint. We live a holy life because we are saints. That living in sin is actually beneath us. That's not who we are anymore. We are saints. And so all we need to do is live up to the name. He looks at every single one of us, to every person in every church under his leadership, and he calls every single one of them a saint. So that is who we are as well. We are saints. The second thing that the Scripture says, he says to the saints uh, who are in Ephesus and faith in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the, in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Who has blessed us. Now, that can be discouraging uh, on one hand because sometimes you can look at it and think, well, is this all there is? Because <laughs> it says he has blessed us. But what it actually means is that all the blessings of God are available to us. And so the second thing, the second thing about you is that you're blessed. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm blessed. So that means that we actually have to start changing the way that we talk. Because some of us judge our temporary circumstances about whether we're blessed or not. But we need to understand we have been blessed, we are blessed, and there's more blessings coming into our world. In fact, the Bible indicates in other scriptures that we're actually carriers of the blessing of God, that the blessing of God has actually come upon us. It's like a coat that we wear, that everywhere we go, we're blessed. I remember I was talking to a Christian lady one day and she had something bad happened in her, something bad happened in her life. And she said, oh, I guess I'm just cursed. I said, no, 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 you're not. You're a Christian, so you're blessed. It doesn't matter what's happened to you in the past. It doesn't matter about some of the difficulties that you've experienced. If you're a Christian, you are blessed. And because of that, that means that God will withhold no blessing from you. There are blessings coming to you that you haven't even experienced yet. There's blessings coming towards you that you can't even see right now. If you understand that you are blessed, you can understand that there's other things that are coming into your world. I mean, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says the blessing of the Lord, not the blessing of the devil, the blessing of the Lord attracts wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. So what that means is because you're blessed, you can believe for some things to come into your world and one of them is the provision of God. That literally you can believe for God's provision to come into your world because you're a carrier of the blessing of God. I told this story to you a few years ago that I had this time in my ministry a number of years ago that financially uh, things were really tight. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, unexpectedly, I received a bill for $4,500. And I remember thinking to myself, I have no idea how I'm going to pay this. And so I was, you know, praying. And I said, Lord, you know, you said, you know, I'm, I'm a carrier of the blessing of God, you know. Oh, where's the provision for this? And I just couldn't see where it was coming from. Three days from when the bill was due, I still had no chance of actually paying it. I was at home one night and there was a knock on the door about 7 o'clock. I opened the door and there was a man who lived down the street. He was a Christian man who I knew. And so, uh, and he was just standing there at my front door. He, at my front door, he'd never been in my house inside before. And, and so as I opened the door, he looked around and then he just walked in. And I said, oh, come on in. So he comes in and, and he's standing in my lounge room and, and then he's just looking around. He was feeling real awkward. I said, well, come into the dining room. We went into the dining room, sat down and and we start chatting, and I remember thinking to myself, why is he here, you know? And so, and he just starts, and then he looks at me, and he starts talking. He says, you know, Ben, I was uh, praying the other day, and I felt God told me I've got to give you some money. 
I said, praise the Lord, how much? And uh, <laughs> and he said, he said, look, I won't tell you now, but I'll put it in your bank account and I'll give it to you in the morning. He says, what's your bank account details? I said, oh, one, four, six, seven, six. And so I just gave it to him <laughs> right there. And then he's sitting at my dining table, you know, with his phone punching in the details. And he's taking a while. He's looking at it. He's going, oh, they won't let me do it all at once. I said, praise God. <laughs> And then after a while, he did it, and he said, look, it'll be in your account tomorrow morning. Woke up the next morning at about 6 a.m., and I opened up the bank account, and it was $5,000 had been deposited, the 4500 for my bill, my $500 tithe. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. You're blessed in spite of your circumstances. The Bible says that we have been blessed. Sometimes what happens is in our society, and maybe in a town like Gladstone, we compare ourselves to other people, and envy comes into our heart, and the Bible says envy is like rottenness to the bones. And then we look at other people who might be doing a little bit better than us that we think, and we start thinking that we're not blessed. No, 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 you need to understand something. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, and that we need to change the way we talk, we need, the way, we need to change the way we live our life, we need to understand that we are blessed. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm blessed. Some of you didn't do it. You were too scared. You couldn't do it. Oh, am I really? No, no, say it. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The next thing is this. He says, who has, verse three, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us, chose us in him. The third thing about you is that you're chosen. You're chosen. You know, sometimes when we say Christ died for the whole world, some of us think that we were the leftovers thrown in at the end. That Christ really died for some other people that he liked better and we're kind of like the deal, the set of steak knives thrown in at the end that he takes as well. Uh, that we're the leftovers. But no, 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 the Bible says that you have been chosen. You have been chosen. You know, it's a great thing to be chosen. When I was at... Um, when I was at uh, high school and primary school, I was actually very good at sport. Um, just not boasting, but it was just true. And, um, and, and, uh, and so, you know, at lunchtime, you're playing some particular sport, whether it be football or cricket or something like that. And, and so you'd pick two captains and the two guys would be captain and then they start picking the team. And, um, and I remember uh, this one, I wasn't the captain and someone else was, the other, two other guys were the captains and I just assumed, oh, well, they're, just, they're gonna pick me first, you know. And, uh, and, but what had happened was, well, I didn't realise I'd actually ticked everybody off and everybody was ticked with me so they thought they're gonna, you know, you know give me a lesson. And so what had happened was that, you know, the first captain, uh, he, he's picking and, and I'm just assuming, okay, you know, I'm just, and he looked at me and he picked someone else and I thought, it's a bit strange, <laughs> you know, your loss. Um, and, uh, and so I just was going to make my way over to the other captain and he picked someone else again. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, well, you got a second chance now, mate. And um, basically they picked everyone else except for me and one other guy who was hopeless at sport. And then one of the, other, one of the captains said, oh, you can have both of them. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> No one chose me. I felt like I was rejected. And a lot of people feel like that in life because a couple of people rejected you. I'm here to let you know they were wrong. God has chosen you. 
He's chosen you. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. He's got something specific for you to do. You are chosen. We are a chosen generation and you are a chosen person. When you become a Christian, you are chosen by God. He chooses you. When Christ died on the cross, he died on the cross for you just as much as Billy Graham, just as much as other people. He died for you just as much. You are chosen. Forget about that person who rejected you. Forget about that person who knocked you back. Who cares if someone rejected you, if you got knocked back for that job or you got knocked back in that relationship? God Himself has chosen you. And we need to live that way. You are chosen by God. The next one is this. He says, who has chosen us um, in verse, uh, verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Holy and without blame before him in love, holy and without blame. I do an exercise with Bible college students and we go through Ephesians 1 and I say to them, write on the board all the things that the Bible says about you. And so they write all these things that God says about them. And then I say to them, I say, what, which one up there on that board is the one where you are surprised that you don't think is actually you? And everyone comes up with almost exactly the same answer, holy and without blame. Why is that? Because we all know what we've done. We know what we've done. And so we look at it and we think, how can I be considered holy and without blame? Well, we can be considered holy and without blame because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He has covered us with our sin. So what that means is this. One of the attacks of the devil, the first one is to try and stop you from getting saved. But the second one is actually to get you to live less than the level that God has for you and he tries to pour condemnation on you. Feeling forever, you know, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm just a worm, you know, I should just be happy by the fact that I'm going to go to heaven. That's the kind of attitude uh, that many of us can have because the devil tries to have us live under condemnation. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Both are bad feelings about things that you've done, but condemnation is from the devil and conviction is from God. So how can you tell the difference between condemnation and conviction? It's very simple. Condemnation's when you feel bad about the sins you used to do. Conviction's when you feel bad about the ones you're still doing. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you're forever feeling bad about how your life used to be, about the mistakes that you used to have, then you're living at a level less than what God has for you. Because when God looks at you, He sees you because of the blood of Jesus Christ, He sees you as holy and without blame in His sight. He, we don't need to live under condemnation. We don't need to forever live under guilt. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, we are holy and without blame in God's sight. He has forgiven us of every sin that we used to do. He has forgiven us of every mistake that we have made. He has forgiven us of the wrong choices that we have made in the past. And through Christ, we are holy and without blame. There's somebody here who needs to hear this because there's things you're wanting to do and you feel like you've disqualified yourself because of some of the things that you used to do. But I'm here to let you know you are not disqualified because of the things that you used to do. In Christ, you are holy and without blame. He is the one who actually qualifies us. He is the one who makes us right in God's sight. And so in God's sight, because of Christ, we are holy and we are without blame. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm holy and I'm without blame. 
The next, the next thing about us is this. He says, we're holy and without blame before Him in love. The fifth thing about you is that you're loved. You're loved by God. You know, um, I reckon I truly didn't understand love until I became a parent. And then I realised how much I actually love my children. Uh, it's such an, a pure love that you have for them. Now, don't get me wrong, there are moments when you feel like you want to throttle them. <laughs> but even in the midst of that, you just absolutely love them. You know, um, I wouldn't call myself the greatest parent. Uh, there's been a couple of things that I've done which I'm not proud of. Uh, I remember one time uh, one, of my, um, one of my boys uh, was wanting to get um, some, some cookies or chocolate from the top shelf uh, of the pantry. And, uh, and I thought I'd just play around with him. And, um, you know, so this particular son, he wants you to get it. He screams at you to get it. You know, and I want, I want the cookies. Gotta give me the cookies. And, you know, what I did, uh, this is not a parenting seminar, okay. Um, but <laughs> but, uh, but, but what, I, what I did was I, I grabbed the cookies and I said, what, these ones? <laughs> and he's looking at me going, yes, I want the cookies. And I'll hold them in front. Those cookies, and he try and grab them and I'll pull them back. I'm not saying you should do this. And, um, and then I remember I'd hold them in my hand and close them up and he'd look at your hand and he's screaming, I want the cookies. You're gonna, you hate me. You don't love me. You're gonna give me the cookies. And my hand was closed. And my son was looking at my hand thinking I hated him because my hand was closed. All he needed to do was look up and see my face. <laughs> I was smiling. There's somebody here, God's hand is closed to you momentarily and you think he hates you. Don't look at his hand, look at his face. His face is smiling upon you. You were loved. He loves you. I mean, there are times with my children, I realise I love them so much, sometimes they do have me over a barrel. I remember one time, one of my sons, I'm trying to discipline him and, you know, one of my other boys is easier to discipline because you discipline him and he fires up at you, so, you, you know, you feel like disciplining him. Um, <laughs> but the, one of my other sons, he figured out early on that's not the way to approach it. And so I was talking to one particular son and I sat him down and I said, right, you've been naughty, you're going to have to go to the naughty corner. And he just looks at me. He starts smiling. And I'm like, it's wrong what you did. Very naughty. But as I'm talking to him, I'm trying to control my face. <laughs> I'm trying to be very serious. And he's just smiling. And the corners of my mouth start going up. And I realise this kid's got me over a barrel. <laughs> I love him so much, you know. That's how God feels about you. He loves you so you're loved. So many people, they live their life forever wanting to please God because they think he doesn't love them. He loves you. 
That's why we want to please him. You are love. You're the apple of his eye. Think about how much you love your children. Okay? He loves, the Bible says compared, he, compared to him, we are evil parents. Well, I know you think I am already, but uh, <laughs> we are evil parents compared, compared to him. You are deeply loved by God. Don't judge your circumstances on his love for you. Amen? You are loved by God. He loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. He wants to be close to us. One of his names is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is near. He actually wants to be close to you. Don't allow your circumstances to turn you away from him and drive, your, and drive away from him. Come to him. The Bible says we can boldly enter his throne of grace. We can come to him. We can spend time with him. He loves us. That's why he died on the cross for us. Love the story about the prophet Elisha. Uh, sorry, Elijah. And Elijah had pronounced a drought on the land. And then, uh, and then he, was, he went up on a mountain to pray to actually break the drought. He goes up on the mountain, prays seven times. The drought is broken. Then supernaturally, he, dro- he runs quickly. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And he runs quickly and he goes into the city. When he gets into the city, the queen, whose, whose, whose name is Jezebel, wants to kill him. So then he runs out into the wilderness and when he gets to the wilderness, he's suicidal. Um, he, he wants to end his life. And then, he's, and then he goes to a cave to hear from God. He goes to the cave and then out in front of him comes a raging fire and he sees the fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And Then there was a mighty wind and then God wasn't in the wind. And, and then he heard a swill, still small voice and, that, and he heard God's voice and God spoke to him in a whisper. God wasn't in the fire and he wasn't in the wind. He was actually in the whisper. Why did God whisper to him? I remember thinking, why would God whisper? And the reason why he whispers is simple. He whispers because he's close. He loves you. Don't judge your past circumstances, some of the things that you've been through, on whether he loves you or not. He loves you. He loves us. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm loved. The next thing is this. He says that we've been holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm adopted. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever heard of the phrase, we're all God's children? It's actually not true. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation, but we're actually not all God's children. That's why Christ died, so that we could become God's children. We actually then become adopted into his family. Now, adoption can have a negative connotation, but it certainly doesn't need to be. I had a friend that was adopted, and sometimes people have been adopted. Um, Sometimes there's issues of abandonment and rejection and that sort of thing, and, and some people have to process that, and and, some, and for some people, it can be, be difficult to do that. And, and so when he told me he was adopted, I said, well, how was that for you? How did you find being adopted? He goes, oh, it was awesome. I said, why is that? He, go, he goes, well, my parents chose me. Your parents had to have you. <laughs> He's adopted. It's awesome. God chose him. God wanted him. Same with us. 
Being adopted mean God's want, means that God wanted us. He could have left us alone, but he didn't. He wanted us. The awesome thing too is that we're adopt, adopted, not just fostered. Now, here's the thing. Please hear me. Anyone who's a foster parent, we honour you today. It's wonderful what you do for foster children. But foster children don't have the same rights as legally adopted children. Because when you're legally adopted, you actually literally become a part of that family. When you foster someone, you take care of them and you nurture them and you provide for them. But they don't necessarily legally become part of your family. You can adopt them, but fostering is not the same uh, as adoption. Uh, my senior pastors when I was in Mackay, Pastor Robin Denise Booth-Jones, were unable to have children, so they chose to adopt. And they adopted a beautiful baby from Korea, uh, and they named her Jennifer. And, um, and, and she is their only daughter. Now, I am pretty certain that when Rob and Denise Booth-Jones die, they will be leaving their uh, substantial inheritance to her. They won't call her in on the deathbed and say, listen, we looked after you your whole life. Could have been, we provided for you the whole time. Now, we're not leaving you a cent. You should just be happy. <laughs> no, 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 she's adopted. She is just as much their daughter as one of their own blood because they've been adopted. We have been adopted into God's family. So there's some things we're allowed to receive because of our sonship in him. For instance, the Bible says we're joint heirs with the son, who is Jesus. We're joint heirs. What does an heir get? An heir gets an inheritance. So as Christians, God has some inheritances for all of us. What's an inheritance? An inheritance is something that you don't deserve, that's a great blessing to your life, that's a substantial advancement to your life, that belongs to you only because of who you're related to. Some people, they see God as their master and they will serve him and feel like God's going to bless him in accordance to how much they serve him. No, 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 we're his children. So there are some blessings he's got for your life that you don't deserve. He's got some inheritances and some blessings that he wants to drop into your world that you don't even, you know, that is that the only reason you're getting is because you're, chi- you're his child. A couple of years ago, I preached a message out of Psalm 37. And, the, and, and Psalm 37, David says five times that you will inherit the earth. That means God has things for you in this life. Why am I saying that? Because I believe that for some people here, you came up to Gladstone to earn some blessing, to earn some things for your family, and that's a good thing, that's a noble thing to do. But I'm here to let you know that you are are God's child, and he's not limited by that for some of the things he wants to pour out into your world. That God has some inheritances for you. Pastor James, I feel God's got an inheritance for this church. I believe God has got an inheritance. I felt God, and this is not something I share anywhere. I feel God say to me that he is an inheritance for this church. It's a substantial blessing that you don't deserve and that you won't earn, but God's going to drop it into your world because you're children of God. He's got an inheritance for this church. He's got even greater things for this church that you didn't even earn. Why? Because we've been adopted into his family. You are adopted by God. If you are here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, can I tell you that he wants you to come into his family, but you actually have to choose to do so. It doesn't naturally happen. That's why the Bible says we must be born again. You, can, you are born and you are God's creation, but you must be born again. That means you have to make the decision to come and enter into his family. And if you enter into his family, he will adopt you and you will be his child.
we are adopted. And the last thing that it says there is this. It says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Turn the person next to you and say, you're accepted. You're accepted. So many people live with a spirit of rejection. Rejection is when, and the reason why they do that is because they determine their acceptance by how other people treat them. So if, people get, if we get rejected by other people, then what can happen is we can actually feel like that we're a reject. But here's the thing, that's not true because in Christ we're accepted by God. It doesn't matter who rejected you. It doesn't matter who turned their back on you. In Christ you have become accepted by God. You are his child and you are in his family. So what that means is that we need to make sure that we can lose, we get rid of that spirit of rejection. There are some people I've met that literally it's like they've got a spirit of rejection. They just assume because someone rejected them in the past, they're waiting for everyone else to reject them as well. And it sabotages their friendships, it sabotages their relationships, it sabotages their marriages, it sabotages their employment history. Why? Because they've got like a spirit of rejection and they just assume everyone rejects me and eventually they're going to reject me as well. And they conduct themselves accordingly. But if you understand that in spite of the rejection of others, you're not a reject, that you're actually accepted by God that that can help you in every area of your life. It doesn't matter how other people treat you. It doesn't matter how they talk about you. It doesn't matter what they say to you. In Christ, I'm accepted by Him. And there are some people here, you were rejected. Maybe it was by your parents or maybe it was a traumatic business experience or maybe it was by a spouse and you were rejected. And because of that, you've picked up this whole thing that everybody rejects me. That is not true. In Christ, you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted by God. And we need to conduct ourselves accordingly. If, as I said to you before, if someone rejected you, they were wrong. If God says you're accepted, that's the voice that we need to listen to. You are accepted by God. You and I have a new identity. Every single one of us, we are, the Bible says that we are saints. The Bible says that we are chosen. The Bible says that we are holy and blameless. The Bible says that we are loved. The Bible says that we are blessed. And the Bible says that we are accepted. I was talking to a young man once and he had this thing about how everyone rejects him. And um, I don't think I'm the best counsellor, you know. And, and uh, he came and well, he, I was talking to him and and he said to me, he goes, you know, he was up and he was actually really sabotaging himself very badly. And, and I, I pulled him aside. I said, mate, are you all right? And he goes, he goes, everyone hates me. I said, and then, because I'm not a good counsellor, I said, is that true? I said, everyone hates you. I said, how do you know that? I just know. I said, what? So everyone here has come up to you and said, listen, just want to let you know I hate your guts. And he goes, he goes, well, I just, I said, and even if they did, does God hate you? No, God doesn't hate me. So not everyone hates you, right? And he goes, and not only that, I'm a reject. I said, why are you a reject? I'm, I am a re, I said, where'd you get that from? Who told you that? Have everyone come up to you and said, listen, I've rejected you. And I said, does God reject you? No, God doesn't reject me. I said, so who should you listen to? Should you listen to them 
what they say about you or should we listen to what God says about us? You have been accepted in the beloved. And there are some people here and you've framed your perception of yourself, your image of yourself is marred. You know, just over summer, my wife and I and the kids, we went to Phillip Island and we went to this place. It's called Amazing. And they had all these mazes and puzzles. It was cool. And, and they had the distorted mirrors. And, you know, you go on this one and you're like really squat and fat. And then you go on this one, you're really tall. And this one, you, you know, really, you know, look really strange. And, and, and it's a reflection, but it's distorted. You're seeing yourself, but it's actually not the way you should see yourself. And there are some people here, you have an image of yourself that was given to you by other people which is distorted and not right. And God's word is, is where we should get our true reflection. And we need to see ourselves as actually he sees us. And maybe you're here and you see yourself with a, a, a distorted image. You're, you see yourself according to the circumstances that have been around you or according to what other people have said about you. I'm here to tell you that is not how God sees you and that is not how you should see yourself and that is not who you are. We are who what God says we are. We are not what that person said. We are not what they, the world says about us. We are who God says we are. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, I see myself with a distorted image. Some of the things that I've said, you're saying, I don't see myself that way. Well, the awesome thing is that God can open your eyes. He can reveal his truth to you to show you who you really are. And so maybe today that is you.